The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a PoppyChulaRadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, April 6th, 2023, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Jasinger. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Arrue. Hey, Central City. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 9, Episode 8, which was titled Partners in Time and aired April 5th, 2023. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. A seemingly simple mold inspection at Star Labs leads to unexpected time anomalies. Barry and Iris try to make sense of the confusion and figure out how to get back to their reality. Chester admits a secret to Allegra, which makes things awkward between the two, and Allegra relies on Cecile to act as a buffer. Meanwhile, Keon meets with an old friend of Team Flash. That last sentence was so totally unnecessary given what happened in the episode, <laughs> but it was there. What can I tell you? Also, is she really an old friend? Anyway. She's our year, friend. I guess. In the year 2123, a hooded figure walks through the Flash Museum after hours and goes right for the weapons vault, accessing it and trying to go for a specific weapon, but trips the alarm and has to flee. So apparently Star Labs is only checked for health and safety every century or so, uh, which explains a lot when you think about it. Back <laughs> yeah. in the present, Barry paints Nora's crib. He's very excited for Nora to be born. Iris gifts Barry with a copy of an old magazine that featured his father. And I really thought that was going to be a much more significant thing. Like there was going to be a big payoff to that. And it just, nope, just Barry was going to be reading it a little bit later. Uh, Barry races off because a mold inspection, as I mentioned, is going to take place at Star Labs. Uh, Dimitri, what did you think of the opening? I'm with you that I was expecting uh, a bigger payoff uh, for that magazine. I also, um, there was some reference to Barry doing something for Iris and this moment sort of coming back full circle. I'm going to be honest, I didn't remember it. I don't know if either of you did. Um, but oh, I did the ice think, cream. What's it? No, no, no. In this one, it was the ice cream for uh, for Nora. No, this, this reference, Barry getting iris something for her mother like some reference to iris's mother and then it comes full circle because now she's gotten him you know this thing that he wanted referencing his dad but i didn't i honestly didn't remember what it was that he had handled regarding her mother her mother's dead yeah as is barry's father right it was it was some reference to like seasons prior we can move on but um, I think that was supposed to be, like, a parallel that I just didn't catch. Um, but I thought it was a, a cutie opening. I really am, you know, sort of, I'm loving Iris's new look. Um, really loving sort of the, the new tone of this episode. Uh, it it kind of throws back to the quirkiness of earlier seasons without being, you know, just flat out stupid. Um, I mean, there were stupid parts later, but, uh, I did think it was sort of, you know, a, a cutesy opening, um, you know, uh, 
sort of, um, you know, Barry painting the crib. You know, uh, we, we get to see them as sort of a, a happy couple um, without, you know, any anything looming, um, which uh, which we haven't in a in a minute. So um, so I liked the opening. I think it, it, it set up for a good tone in this episode overall. Well, you raise a point that I was going to bring up later, but yeah, overall, the tone of this episode, I liked it. It, it gave me very season one vibes. You know, it felt much more lighthearted. There was no, you know, big bad threatening the universe uh, and even the threat that uh, Barry and Iris had to deal with. Uh, you know, it, it didn't feel, uh, you know, as as uh, as cataclysmic as uh, as we've uh, we've come to expect from Flash. And I found that, you know, refreshing. And there was a lot of humor. Uh, I checked it. And, you know, the, the director of the episode is, is a first time Flash director. It's not like they went back to the well of someone who's done it a dozen times. This was, you know, someone fresh coming in uh, and had some interesting you know things, not only brought, you know, that uh, that uh, humor out of the actors, but also there were a couple of scenes that I thought were shot uh, really well uh, as well. But overall, I, I just I really liked the tone of this episode. Um, I, and I'm just going to forestall, uh, you know, Dimitri from mentioning the F word filler. I wouldn't say this is filler because <laughs> filler is when you've got a big arc and you're just filling in time. We aren't in the middle of an arc. There, there's no arc going on right now. So, I mean, these episodes are just sort of character development episodes. Um, you know, we're, we're not forestalling, you know, the big bad or anything like that. So in that sense, you know, it feels a little bit different from uh, what we would normally deride as a filler episode. We're just waiting to see what, uh, you know, Reverse Flash or, or Bloodwork or whomever is going to do. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think I was almost waiting for last episode and this episode to have some sort of implication virus's pregnancy because that's almost the arc we're in is you know can iris deliver this baby without you know some sort of bad thing happening last episode it was you know her if her fever doesn't break it'll damage the baby but this one seemed to be purely purely no stakes like you know they're stuck in a loop but nora nora's fine nora's not even threatened the whole episode yeah and and personally i found that delightful uh, just a little break from uh, the uh, the relentlessness that we sometimes get in an Arrowverse show. At Star Labs, Barry tries to calm Keon's nerves about meeting Caitlin's mom, Carla, that good friend of Team Flash. Barry sends Chester Holmes as he can handle the mold inspector himself, but a whole team shows up. Turns out code enforcement for the DOE is there as well, and Iris, who has somehow made it from their apartment to the lab almost as fast as Barry did, uh, offers to help deal with the inspectors. The inspectors have a lot of questions, and Team Flash has a lot to hide. Uh, when Barry goes to lead them to the breaker box, however, they end up back in the speed lab they just left. They try again, and it happens again. That's when the mold inspector notices a random grandfather clock. It ominously chimes. Typical Flash shenanigans, but having civilians there adds, adds a bit of a complication. Jeff, what did you think of the inspectors? They were interesting. I mean, they were taken sort of out of, like, you know, central casting for, like, stereotypes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the really nerdy lady, the the old one, the young one that, you know, secretly loves superheroes. Like, they, they were all kind of, you know, just generic tropes. But because, you know, we had them, and, and clearly the reaction that both Barry and, miraculously, Iris West Allen had to them. I was like, okay, there's going to be, there's comedic potential here that I was looking forward to because, you know, we have now these strangers in Star Labs. We have our star couple as their tour guide. So clearly shenanigans were going to ensue and shenanigans did shenanigans. 
And I think actually one of the uh, the inspectors actually made a comment about we don't like shenanigans, um, yes. which uh, you know was somewhat ironic given the way the uh, the entire you know shenanigan uh, nature of the episode played out. Uh, it turns out the clock's from the 19th century, but looks like it was just built. One of the inspectors thinks it's a prank. Barry lets them believe that they're being pranked while he and Iris try to figure out what's actually going on. Barry decides to run to the future for answers, and Iris tries to stall the inspectors. Uh, but a blue energy wave go, goes through the speed lab, and suddenly Iris is dressed very differently. Barry also gets dropped off in the lab, and he's also dressed differently. And soon, all of the inspectors are wearing clothes from different time periods. Could it be the Legends of Tomorrow? Or? Nope, it wasn't. Barry has to reveal that he's the Flash. What a shock. One of the inspectors passes out in what I thought was a really nice comic moment because you have sort of the older, no-nonsense inspector saying, okay, I understand, and then immediately passes out. Um, I personally, I really like Barry's Star Trek cosplay, or Star Trek TNG cosplay, I should say. Uh, Dimitri, what did you think of Iris's new look? I mean, Candace Patton slays almost every look she she wears. Um, You know, um, I think it still doesn't top the sort of retro Iris that we got the last time. I don't know, she was, her wardrobe was transported through time. But it was still a lot of fun. Um, Why don't I remember Retro Iris? Um, She's got like a fro, she's got, um, I don't know how to how to describe her outfit. Okay, that sounds delightful. I just think, I, I just I just think 70s. Um, okay, what would we call but, her style of dress? Was it Elizabethan, a Shakespearean, Renaissance yeah, fair? Well, the the neck piece almost looked like it was African derived. I oh. thought it was Egyptian. Oh, okay. I'll go Could with that be. too. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the inspector, one of the inspectors, is clearly in like Victorian sort of garb. Um, but yeah, um, I thought I thought she slayed the look, um, you know, pretty well. Uh, but I also didn't think it was like. Any anything earth shattering. I think most of the humor revolved around like how like the inspectors outfits and how like out of place they looked. But um I do think uh Candace Patton sort of rides the moment with a lot of uh, you know, a lot of great comedic presence, which is something we don't get to see Iris do that much. She has like little moments here and there. Um but uh Actually, I feel like sort of early, like early, early seasons are like the last time we got to see Iris, you know, sort of be just full on funny. Um, And, uh, you know, the whole awkward way she's riding through this, the way she doesn't want to like share her casserole, the way, um, you know, she's uh, sort of trying to make it seem like everything's... um, everything's okay while uh while handling the inspectors definitely over the top but very cute very nicely done no and you're right like we we don't you know because and a part of it is you know they've been putting uh iris in you know dangerous situations trapping her in alternate dimensions giving her time sickness and stuff like that uh it's nice to have an episode where they can sort of like just breathe and and uh, candace Patton can be funny because she's actually quite good at it uh and uh you know it, it was nice that you know between the script and uh uh, and giving her room to do that, that she was able to be funny. But I think a lot of the characters uh, got some uh, some funny moments um, uh, in the episode. Uh, at the West House, Allegra and Chester are playing Scrabble when she gets a notification on her phone. She's being described as a new light meta on social media, who is, of course, described as looking a lot like Allegra. Chester tries to hype her up and accidentally tells her he loves her. 
oops, things are a little awkward. Then Cecile comes home and Allegra has her come play games with them. Now, Cecile knows something's off. I've said before how awkward it would be having a super empath as your landlord. And I think this episode shows I was right. Jeff, how did you like how Chester and Allegra play the awkwardness? And do you think Cecile was meddling too much? I enjoyed the awkwardness. I mean, something that I've said from the start. I'm so glad. I mean, if you're going to pat yourself on the back, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I've always said Allegra needs a costume. I mean, she shows up, her face is out there, and she's doing superhuman, superheroic stuff. And she thinks nobody's going to find out that it's her. Like, it makes no damn sense to me. So I'm glad that this came back around and bitter in the ass. I mean, just wear like a little bandit mask or something. Like, I mean, it's that simple. The people in Central City and in the Arrowverse period are so stupid. They get so confused when it's like eyewear or headgear that they have no idea it's not you when you're not wearing that. So that's all she needed to do, but she didn't. She didn't pay attention. But anywho. So that was really great that they brought that up. And then Chester and Allegra being adorkable was delightful. Writers, we could have had all of this for like a, a year and a half, but you waited so fucking long for it to happen. I mean, they have great chemistry together. It was cute. They were cutesy. He said, I love you too fast. She clearly was kind of going to say it, but she has trauma that she has to deal with. Cecile was being a little bit too much, but she was kind of being like mama bear. And let's be for real, her daughter is never in any of the scenes with her, so she needs something to do. And uh, might as well be Mama Bear to her new roomie. Um, I will say, as you said, Professor, having an empath as not just your, like, landlady, but, like, your friend and you're living in her house and all that kind of stuff, you can't really think illicit things about your boyfriend-girlfriend. Like, because she's going to know. And that's, gonna, that's, like, creepy. Cecile, stop listening to what they're saying in their minds. Well, even if, uh, if, if, you know, Chester wanted to, you know, go over and, you know, hang out in her room, you'd have to choose a time when Cecile wasn't home because empathic abilities presumably work, you know, through walls. Yes, I mean, she can feel what they're feeling, which I might know. be a fun little moment for her because Joe's out of town, you know? Maybe that's why Cecile offered. She's thinking about, <laughs> oh, you know. Yes, I like Mom that. Mom is feeling a little lonely. Anyway, now that <laughs> yes. everyone's back at Star Labs is aware that Barry is the Flash and that Iris is Mrs. Flash, they have to figure out what's going on. One of the inspectors has a theory. Space and time has lost elasticity for them in what's apparently called a time magnet. Uh, apparently in the future, the speed lab is a weapons vault and it houses a time magnet, which was what was being stolen in the opening scene. And <coughs> when whoever stole it, forgot they forgot the stabilizer. This means someone in the room is a thief. So now it's kind of like a game of Clue and I liked it. It felt like a bit like a classic locker room mystery, including delightful scene where Iris is going around scanning everyone and like pausing for the significant, you are not the thief. You are not the thief. Um, you know, it sort of felt like, you know, as I say, you know, like a classic Agatha Christie where, you know, Hercule Poirot is going around and explaining why this person couldn't have done it or that person couldn't have done it. Uh, and I liked it. I, I thought it gave it a very nice, uh, you know, a very different feel uh, from a, a traditional Flash episode. Um, as they scan everyone and clear them, the argumentative in investigator is turned to a statue he's effectively dead and they realize if they don't get out of there soon they're all next barry and iris talk iris can use continues to worry about being able to do what she wants because she's pregnant she says it's like she's stuck in the past and barry's getting to race to the future that triggers barry to realize who the time thief is the fake electrical inspector which was you know kind of tipped early in the episode uh she reveals herself as lady chronos a thief from the future and turns the other two inspectors into gnome statues 
Dimitri, what did you think of this week's baddie, Lady Kronos? First of all, um, the comparison to Agatha Christie, I think, is is far, far too generous for this. It was more like um, Clue the movie, right? Yeah. Flames it, on the side of the Iris Wasallon's face. Clue the movie is still generous, but closer to closer to form. Maybe um, like uh maybe like um like like the Babysitters Club's interpretation of Clue the movie. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, <laughs> okay, good. Encyclopedia Brown fan fiction, maybe. Um it like we maybe so, full disclosure, I watch a lot of mysteries. But oh. Immediately, when she didn't know what a breaker box was, I was like, oh, that's the thief. And I thought mm-hmm. all the characters were going with the assumption that she's the thief. I thought that's why, because we see Iris giving her like a specially sharp stare when she scans her with the radiation thing. And then Iris is like, oh, you're not the thief. But then we, the, the whole reason they crack the case and Barry's like you're not the only one who's been messing things up is realizing what I thought all the characters had realized in the beginning which is that this supposed electric inspector didn't know what a breaker box was but it's never explained correct me if I'm wrong but oh, I don't about think the radiation why the radiation scan didn't work on her if she was the thief this whole time like she took a quick shower we and washed off the radiation. Already. Well, no, remember, it was a theoretical thing. The, uh, the, oh, the nerdy uh, lady. Know, the idea was that maybe there would be a different radiation. There was no guarantee. Yeah. I, I guess, but, you know, like, like this did feel like they were, you know, setting up a whodunit episode. But, like, whodunits tend to have kind of fixed rules. That's part of, like, what makes it fun, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's not as fun when we know the done-it before the who. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, uh, like, like, you know, they're like locked room mysteries. Like, the room is locked. Only one of these four people could have done it. Nobody could have, like, theoretically, someone could have picked the lock, killed the person, snuck back out, and then relocked the room. But like, that doesn't happen in a Who Done It. Like, typically in a Who Done It, if you're like, this would lead to this, especially on a show like The Flash, where it's like, theoretically, you could run so fast, you can punch him in the face. But you know, if my calculations are off. You could shatter every bone in your body. Yeah, theoretically, that might not work out, but it always works out for Barry. I just, uh, the radiation thing bothered me. Um, and then, you know, um, I, I guess I, I just assumed Iris was like, you're the one who fucked up the breaker box. That's why I'm scanning you extra hard. And then Barry's like, she fucked up the breaker box. She must be the thief. I, I just thought it was kind of a disappointing payoff. Um, I really thought it was going to be like something like, oh, the legends of tomorrow are also in the room or something. We always like need them else. in the room. I, I agree with you, except that when we you know got to see, you know, Lady Kronos later in the episode, she was the sort of arrogant person who would just sort of breeze in there and, you know, think that she could get away with it. I, I think, yeah. you know, what little we found out about her character, you know, because I was kind of thinking that, too, that anyone who came back in time would obviously, you know, work in their backstory. But, you know, when she started talking, I realized, no, no, she's just, uh, you know, she's, I mean, she's got the tech, but, yeah, she's the sort of person who would absolutely uh, get into this sort of situation. Yeah. Can we give a shout-out to the AAPI representation? I, I enjoyed that. 
Um, I like what she brought to the mix. Oh, wait a second. They played her in white face. Come on. This is clearly white cat. I mean, I mean you know. The Flash would go there. Props for breaking stereotypes. Asians can not only be electrical inspectors, they can also be criminals. Um, <laughs> yes, there you go. Can I, I just say, say well, well, oh, just God, real yeah. quick, the white makeup it was an interesting fashion choice. But um, what I loved the most was every time they'd zoom in on her face, you'd hear the grandfather clock, clong, and I'm like, is she making those noises because of her clock face? At the house, the game of Settlers of Catan just gets awkward, and Chester, who I noticed was hitting the root beer pretty hard, decides to leave. Cecile asks Allegra what's going on. Allegra tells Cecile that Chester said he loves her. Cecile is thrilled, uh, but Allegra's afraid of being abandoned or worse and explains her backstory as to why that would be. Cecile tells her to be in the moment, enjoy it, not worry about what might happen. A couple of years ago, this might have been a Papa Joe talk. Dimitri, how would you like the Mama Cecile version? Uh, I hated it, not because Cecile did anything what? wrong, but dear God, this is so overdone in the Arrowverse. I, I love this person, but whenever someone gets close to me, bad things happen. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. That it's been better bad. for you to not get close to me. Even though we've been getting close for 19 seasons now. And clearly and they've been having the sex. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, this is one of the few episodes where there was like, there seemed to be a clear reference to having sex. Right? Um, We're going to get to that because I, I, I was all ears. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe so was Cecile. But um, <laughs> yes. I, I just, something else, like... Anything else. I'm I'm worried he's going to find out I fart in my sleep. Like anything. But this That's same absolutely done to death. Tired storyline of I love this person. But you can't get close to me. It's older than Smallville at this point. Um, oh my god. I like literally have. Honestly I, I wish they would have kept with the silly theme of this episode. And. Something like Chester says, I love you, and then Allegra suddenly loses her voice or something. Like, just, oh, this was, this was so unnecessary. It's such, like, love arc filler. And this particular romantic arc has taken so long to pay off that I do think the entire audience is just out of patience with it. And you really should tread carefully in terms of how much you stretch other things out. Like this, the story will be stretching out later there, but uh, nicely done, Jeff. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, Oh my God. Like I'm going to sprain like the muscles that roll my eyes, but why? Well, and it also, it doesn't make sense because it's one thing that, you know, if you're like keeping someone at arm's length, because you know, you've been burned in the past. But in her case, she's dating the guy, and as Jeff insists, they're having the sex. Yeah. And I put air quotes around the, the sex. Yeah. So I mean it's just a matter of not being willing to say I love you. So it's not even like she, you know, was, you know, resisting the relationship for that reason. They're in a relationship. She's just unwilling to say it. And sort of, you know, kind of with the justification that everyone I say that to dies felt a little meh. And it's not like she said she loved uh, you know, whichever Wells it was that, you know, we saw the recap of Nash, of him. Nash, uh, Wells, um, uh, you know, uh, disappearing in front of her. So, yeah, I agree with you. It was it was a bit overdone, but uh, I've never been the biggest Allegra fan, but I actually, you know, like Kayla Compton in this episode. I thought she was uh, 
uh, I thought that I may not have agreed with the arguments she was making, but I thought she did them well. Can I also just um, say the fact that we got a reminder that everybody she loves disintegrates in front of her eyes. <laughs> I had forgotten that they both just sort of poofed into sparklies. I mean, yeah, I mean, she, she's no, uh, she's no, uh, you know, Caitlyn, but still. Right. Well, no, Caitlyn's just die. I mean, they die, they're dead. But like her loved ones, they she cradles them and they like turn into fireflies. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I didn't know, I didn't remember that both of them sparkled away. But like, just don't cradle. Like that makes no sense. Like. And then she, the whole time she's like, I'm worried he's going to leave. And he's like, none of these people left. They all died. I mean, if you're worried he's going to die, I mean, someday he is going to die. But this was exasperating. I just let them be happy. It took so long for this to pay off. Like, wasn't here for it. Back at Star Labs, Lady Kronos explains what happened in the future. Strap yourselves in. She saw the date of the inspection and came to that date in the past so she could then use that in the right location to go to the future and steal the time magnet. But she can't go back there now because her time belt needs a charge and she doesn't want to give up her ill-gotten booty. Uh, Unfortunately, the stabilizer that was also in the room is something that she didn't steal, and that's why things are going crazy in the present. (sighs) Barry offers to charge her time belt, and she reluctantly lets him as she realizes she'll be the next to die otherwise. She then uses the time belt to go back to the future and put the time magnet back, even though she will be arrested. The others are restored to life. Everything's fine and reset. The inspection goes on. Timey-wimey shenanigans, but you know what? I honestly didn't mind. And what sold it for me was we got that great scene with Iris and Barry describing the Flash, uh, and Barry describing him as handsome, and, you know, Iris reacting she to that. She said handsome. Side eye. <laughs> and then, handsome? Uh, um, yeah. So I think part of the reason why I enjoyed the episode so much, as I said before, was that it had a, a bit of wackiness, a bit of season one feel to it. Jeff, how did you like the way things wrapped up? A little too neat for your tastes? You know what? It was an enjoyable episode as much as, you know, I've been sort of harping on like the silly stuff um, or harping on silly stuff. It was enjoyable. Um, Okay, the thing that I did not understand is she was like, you know, I'm going to be the next one to die because I have been holding on to this thing the longest. I'm like, well, shouldn't you have been like the first to die? Because like, I feel like other people died before you. So I didn't really understand that. Well, yeah, the other guy touched it. Okay. And it wasn't coded to hurt his DNA, so that's uh, why he wasn't changed coded into to his DNA. Uh, and by the way, she said also like her mask protects her or something, or her belt. She says something like, her "Oh, my mask belt. can't protect me for that long, for much longer." I think is what she said. Uh, by the okay. way, timely shout out the fact that uh, when they did have the statue of David, it had a fig leaf because we one wouldn't want to offend uh, school districts in Florida. That is true. Although, yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, um, poor David. Yeah, it was probably what they could find in Canada, though. I mean, let's be real. Well, here we just cover up because otherwise they'll freeze and fall off. But, Jeff, you were talking about uh, how you liked uh, how the the Lady Kronos uh, situation resolved itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it was a lot of timey-wimey, as you said, shenanigans. It was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of time travel techno babble that was fascinating to hear made no sense to me but worked at the end of the day uh i have no idea if she's a comic book villain i'm going to assume because she's very ridiculous looking with the whole clock face thing that she is a comic book villain because she kind of looks like a comic book villain so uh, that would not surprise me um once again her whole uh 
her whole look was was fascinating. I did like that she became a bit more animated as like an actor once she became like Lady Kronos when she was just sort of like I'm going to check that box thing. You know, she was a little she played it very straight, like straightforward, um serious, uh no nonsense and that kind of stuff. And then once she unleashed her inner um cuckoo clock, uh, she, she had she had a lot of flourish to her delivery, um, and slightly you know mustache twirling villainous over the topageness, which I did enjoy because she looks like a ridiculous villain. So her being kind of ridiculous and very intense in her ridiculousity was very nice. One thing that I, I didn't mention, and I feel like no one talked about it when you recapped it, Professor, is. That really great conversation that the West Allens had at the tippy-tippy top of the Speed Lab. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was wonderful to see the West Allens together. Uh, something that we complained about for a moment, and I understand now, and I think we even understood it at the time. COVID protocols and this, that, or the other. You know, we couldn't have many intimate moments between Iris and Barry over the past, like, two seasons. I get it. You know, we were living in a crazy world. I understand. But now that we're kind of out of that, it's great to see them together, united, being intimate, not in that sort of way, but, you know, just, you know, being close together and, and hearing, you know, their their intimate thoughts and that kind of stuff. It, it's really nice. Although I will say this, and I don't know if, Y'all will judge her. Listen, I love me some Iris West Allen. Probably not as much as Dimitri, but who can? Um, vanilla bean ice cream is your favorite? Hey, you know what? A really good vanilla bean ice cream is really good. Okay. but Also, pregnant women I have mean, weird, she is uh, dating Barry things. Allen. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> he is very vanilla bean. Yeah. He's also white. No. I also like that scene with uh, with Barry and Iris. I was going to mention it a little later as a little shout out to the director. Uh, it was a very subtle thing he did there, but you know that was the only scene. The, you know that scene was the only one. It was shot handheld, um, and you know the the camera was much closer, and you could actually see it moving a little bit, which sort of you know played up the intimacy of the moment uh, in a way that you wouldn't get uh, shooting in a more conventional way. Uh, so I think that was an interesting stylistic choice. Uh, and also, you know, using the camera to track from face to face uh, rather than doing uh, cuts, uh, I thought was also interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, a little, little shout out to the director as well as to the actors and the writers of that scene. Uh, later, also, Barry and Iris. One more, one more shout out. The moment where that scientist's like, I would love to observe your biochemistry <laughs> yes. if we ever get out of here. And Iris is like, bitch, the fuck? Yeah, yes. that that's again, exactly the look. Like it's I said, it's, it's a bit like back in the out. days, a bit like back in the days of Legends. I always said that one of the things I loved most about Legends was stuff that was going on behind the scene, the reactions that people were having. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I clocked that one with with Iris having that reaction as well. I <laughs> clocked Lady Kronos. Haha. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, at the end of the episode, Barry and Iris talked to Keon. The lab has passed all the inspections. Things also went well with Keon and Carla. Thank God, because uh, if, if they'd mentioned the uh, that in the in the summary and we hadn't gotten the resolution to that, it would have been a nightmare. Allegra finds Chester jitters. She opens up to him and tells him she loves him too. Um, then they go off. I'm sure uh, Jeff will want to mention that. Uh, yeah. Bow, bow, bow. Barry and Iris enjoy some ice cream. 
I just want to say that nine years of watching this show and other Arrowverse shows has left me stinger sensitive. So after Chester and Allegra had their nice moment, I saw there was still time in the show, and I thought, uh-oh, how are things going to break bad? Then, even as Barry and Iris are settling in with their ice cream, vanilla bean, and the camera pulls back through the window, I was convinced there'd be a big bad lurking out there. But no, just a nice, happy ending. Jeff, what did you think? All right, I did double check. Lady Kronos is an actual character, and she does have the white face with the clock on her forehead. I don't know if she goes clong every time they zoom in on her in the comics, but it was a nice little effect in the episode. Okay, so Chester and Allegra, they have chemistry. They were cute. The euphemism that we got when he was like, I'm going to be up all night, and she's like, I know how to work off that energy, and they both dirty looked at each other, and I don't even know if that was like a real laugh, like a real-life, real-life laugh, or if that was like a laugh in character, but all of it, it was a lot. And I was like, is this the dirtiest euphemism that we've gotten in the Arrowverse period? Because I was like, she was bold with that shit. I was like, okay, she's talking about the, she, they're fucking. Like, let's just be honest. Like, Cecile, you're going to be hearing a whole bunch of stuff for like 10 hours. Um, so get ready for that because they're going to go at it. Uh, hopefully she's a deep sleeper, but then again, with her powers, that's going to wake her up. She's going to be feeling a whole type of something, but anyway, maybe that's one of the benefits of being an empath, you know, there's stuff going on in your house, you know, anyway, um, as far as like the cutesy stuff, maybe they'll lead to the sex too. I don't know. Um, but Iris and Barry, adorable, even though they're eating vanilla bean ice cream, you know, get it like a rocky road. Or get like, uh, like, ooh, like a good cookies and cream, like a, the fancy brand. Like, that's some good stuff. Vanilla bean. Anyway, no toppings either. Anywho, um, they were romantic. They were cute. He ended up swapping out all of the the cookie dough. Yeah, not my favorite. Ice cream for the vanilla bean. Uh, cookie that, dough is amazing. I don't know. It's whatever. Um, I enjoyed the cookies and cream, so that was my personal preference that I mentioned earlier. I once again have to fall back on those uh, three words that I hate to say, Dimitri's right. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I also don't like the mint chocolate chip, but anyway. I know some people like it, and they're obsessed. But anywho, Can we... so... Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, just uh, almost done. So the vanilla bean thing was cute. And then being romantic was really nice. I also love the VFX of when he like flipped the magazine and it landed perfectly on the coffee table f- so that he could get some vanilla bean ice cream. Yeah. I mean, it was just adorable. I mean, they were sweet. It was wonderful. It was It was just what we have been yearning for between Iris and Barry for a couple seasons now. I was just glad to see it. And I agree with you, Professor. Usually the stingers are left for creepy stuff, you know, teasers for what's to come or a big bad reveal and that kind of thing. The fact that we got just a a nice, sweet scene between our core couple was really nice. Dimitri, you were going to say? Dimitri, you hate sweetness and joy, so how would you like the end of the episode? Well, he loves Iris, though. And apparently Vanilla Bean. I love sweetness and joy, but... Can we just acknowledge this one hilarious moment? Um, I I don't know if I'm the only one who clocked this, but did you notice Lady that Kronos. the uh, at the final scene when um, Chester and Allegra kiss, they kind of seem to miss each other's lips. <laughs> that, it, I, I I don't know if if the the actors are just not comfortable with each other um, or what, but it did look like. Like they were like 
one was a little too far to the side of the other, and they both just tried to roll with it. But, like, watch that scene again. I, I was certain that they, like, tried to kiss and missed, and then everyone just rolled with it. Well, they've but, kissed uh, before. I mean, they've had good they, kisses before, so maybe... They've had good kisses before, yeah. but that one, they seem to... I don't know. Maybe, you know, this is why you shouldn't close your eyes too early. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, that is but, true. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at that, and I was like, wait, hang on a second. <laughs> Their lips are off to the side. Um, I just I just wanted to acknowledge that. Maybe it's their foreplay. Well, it's a little hard, too, when you're leaning over a table. Evidently. Yeah. Before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything anyone wanted to mention? An Easter egg, a Hall of Shame, or a Hall of Fame moment? Uh, I just want to mention, so I mentioned, you know, my shout-out to the director. I thought, you know, the, the little humorous moments... Uh, I was going to mention the the iris giving the side eye. Also, uh, when Barry, uh, you know, tries to grab the uh, uh, the time magnet and is hurled away, and 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 she says, you know, you can't do that. Da da da. da. And Barry just gives her a little thumbs up, like, yeah, I kind of got that. Thanks. Uh, it's just some really delightful little humorous uh, moments. Uh, you know, in terms of the reactions, I thought that was a very nice touch. A uh, quick Easter egg shout out. One, uh, Lady Kronos is not just an actual comic book character. She is actually Asian in the comics, which I was not expecting. Two, um, the actress who played her is Diana Bang, who is um, Andrea Bang from Kim Convenience's fame sister. Oh! Uh, so, cool. Uh, Kim's Convenience being one of the best TV shows ever, for those of you who don't know. Yes, and until it was unfortunately canceled. Justice for Kim's convenience. I agree. What I want to say is, in regards to the press release and the whole Carla Tanhauser of it all, I didn't, number one, understand why that sentence was in the press release, because it made it seem like such an important storyline for them to show off-camera. And maybe they just could not get Carla Tanhauser as an actor to be there in the flesh. So that was a little strange. Um, I will say it was nice to give a shout-out just because, I mean, she has been an important character uh, throughout the entire Caitlyn storyline, Caitlyn and Frost and all that kind of stuff. So mentioning her was nice, but having her be like a press release storyline focal point was a little odd. Although I will say this, and it's always going to make me laugh just because... We had Danielle Panabaker as Caitlin for many, many seasons, and I feel like Keown has had much more of an active social life in this series's, like in this in her series's run, than poor Caitlin did throughout her entire series's run. Like Keown has friends; she's actually going out to dinner with Barry and Iris. I feel like Caitlin only socialized with Cisco and uh, her boyfriends until they died. Other than that, I, like, never really saw her hanging out with Iris, never really saw her hanging out with Barry outside of that one time when she got drunk and Barry took her home, and that's when the whole Snowberry thing started happening on the internet. Like, it's just, it's funny to me how Caitlin had been there for all those seasons, and she apparently had zero friends. And now Keon has been here for, what, five episodes? Six, well, no, this is the eighth episode, so about eight episodes. And... She has like an active social life. There was an odd moment with uh, uh, with Keon where um, you know uh, so she's coming back from uh, meeting with Carla and saying, "Oh, I could use a strong maternal figure in my life." 
bitch, Iris is standing right in front of you. And have you met <laughs> Cecile? I, I, oh, I was honestly yeah, expecting yeah. there to be one of those little reaction shots of Iris going, wait, what? Am I chopped liver? But no, it, it just felt, yeah, a little well, odd I don't, that. But I don't think Iris I think she's would played be as such an innocent naive that... Hmm? I don't think Iris would be maternal to her though. Like if if Iris is, is going to be anything, it would be like a like a friend, which is what well, she's sister, doing and what she's still. well, big sister. Yeah, that is true. Um, but she's being more of a friend to Keon than she was to Caitlyn. But we're not well, even... justice for Cecile is what I say. Oh, okay, well there that is there is that too. We also did have a little bit more of a taste of Keon's powers. Like oh no, your baby's going to be fine. Like oh this is that or the other. Oh, and this is the one thing that I've been wanting to mention because I've thought about this all throughout the episode. Um, last night, they keep on like going hard on Nora. This baby's going to be Nora, Nora, Nora. And I'm going to let Nora tell me what she likes when she gets here. I have a feeling it's not going to be Nora, right? Well, I think quite obviously it's not going to be Nora okay. because they have hit that bell so hard. It's like so hard. Like this is Nora, 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 Nora. And then it's, it's either going to be twins or it's, it's going to be a boy. You'd think they would be getting enough, you know, medical checking on uh, on Iris that if it was, was twins. No, remember, they don't out. have a medical professional at Star Labs well, anymore. That's true. Okay, time for the MVP. State which character thrust, impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Uh, I can't remember who went first last time, so I'm just going to flip a coin and say Jeff. Oh, thank you. Because Dimitri wasn't here. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, oh, oh well, be... that means you got to pick first last time. So I obviously know. it should be Dimitri. Well, no, but you already picked. Um, I'm going to be nice, though, uh, Dimitri. I'm going to give it to... I'm going to give it to the nerdy lady. I don't even know what her name is. Um, I, but I... Ooh, Tina Fey's uh, taller English twin. Yes, we'll go with that. I enjoyed the nerdy lady out of the four the most. She was just so fantastic in my eyes. And she brought me joy every time we would see her because she was like so into everything that she was doing. Uh, and that added to some of the comedy for me. Um, also the fact that she kind of shook um, Iris West Allen's, she ruffled her feathers a little bit. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to give it to the nerdy lady. I don't know your name. I don't really care to learn it, but you were fantastic in my mind. Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? Sounds like the start to the worst love song ever. I don't know your name. I don't really care to learn it. Um, damn, Jeff. Yeah. But, uh, that's what that song but you vaguely look like a taller English version of Tina Fey. Yeah. I think that's how yeah. the 8675309 song starts. Well, uh, you guys probably guessed, but I'm going to give it to Candace Patton. Iris West Island was an absolute delight in this episode. I feel so robbed because I feel like even a lot of the early episodes that we were discussing that had a lot of comedic moments, not too many of them were centered on Iris because Iris was like beautiful and, you know, the object of Barry's affection. And Hashtag so, feminism. She, that yeah. Was, she was comedic there. She's kind of like perfect all the time. And we see Barry... Um, you know, being awkward around her, and that's part of what makes her seem, you know, so unattainable uh, for him. Um, but yeah, I, God damn, I hope Candace Patton lands a sitcom next or something, because this was really funny. Um, I hate to seem like I'm following in uh, in uh, Jeff's slipstream here, but I'm going to choose the mold specialist. <laughs> um, 
he didn't have much to do. I mean, I love the way he was doing Mrs. Flash. Uh, but like, if you look at, you know, the lines that he was given, um, it wasn't that much. But the way he played it as sort of, you know, stoner guy uh, had to have been an actor's choice. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed him. I thought he he played, you know, um, uh, someone who who and again, because this was a lighter episode, uh, because it was fun. And, you know, the director, uh, you know, obviously told the actors, hey, have some fun with this. Um, he seemed like someone who was actually having fun uh, with that and, you know, fanboying over the flash and and all of that. I thought, you know, for an actor who didn't have a lot to do in the episode, I thought he did a lot with it. Uh, just like as Jeff was saying, with uh, with unnamed, uh, you know, um, uh, whatever her specialty was, the uh, the inspector nerdy uh, lady there. Uh, so sound right. The episode, how would you rate the episode on a scale of one to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the flash museum. Just, you know, not anywhere close to the, the weapons vault. And by the way, why would you keep an active weapons vault in a museum? I'm just saying, you know, it's good to know star lab security a hundred years in the future is still as laughably bad as it is today. Uh, Dimitri, how would you rate the episode? I'm going to give it a nine. It made me chuckle. It was funny. It's one of the few episodes in recent memory that I can honestly say I, I would watch that again. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll give it a nine. Jeff, how would you rate the episode? I'm going to come just a tad higher. I'm going to give it a nine and a half. It was funny. It was silly. It was goofy. It was romantical. It was a very legendsy episode of The Flash, but in a very good way. I did not check to see if the writer was also a Legends writer, but, uh, you know, so I have no idea. But the vibe was very different, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And we got a lot of West Allen goodies in this one. So I, I left this episode incredibly satisfied, like apparently Allegra will be <laughs> between this episode and the next. Uh, yeah, I found the episode, uh, you know, very enjoyable as well. I don't know if I'd call it rewatchable, um, but uh, I mean, it, it might be worth rewatching just for the little humorous moments. But I very much enjoy it as well. I'll split the difference between the two of you and go with a 9.25 just to ensure peace between the, uh, uh, the panelists. Join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners good night, starting with Jeff. Have a good night, listeners. Be safe. Enjoy this mini hiatus before we get into the last five episodes of The Flash ever. Bum, bum, bum. And Dimitri. Surprised you didn't do the grandfather clock. Um, but uh, good night Central City um, get ready for the countdown thanks for tuning in subscribe to the Central City Citizen via Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and iHeartRadio new episodes release every Friday you can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives good night